Court of the Grandchildren, Episode 4. David Moreland wanted to die. He had wanted to go on his own terms using the euthanasia law, but events transpired against him, and so he had to take matters into his own hands. Lily, we have a problem here. David hasn't shown up to the court and he's not answering his calls. Not even Sarah is answering. He isn't answering because he wants to be left alone. You know about- God, just asking questions I can't answer. It's making David look bad. He's in mourning for God's sake. You need to go to David's apartment to see what's going on. I'm not going to make any difference. The hearing's starting. Go now. Mateo. What? Uh, uh, quickly, go now. I'm not an android. Uh, I'm sorry. As fast as you can. Lily stood outside David's door. It seemed strange to have to knock. After all, the apartment knew that she was there. David, it's me, Lily. Sarah opened the door. Where's David? He's here. Can I see him? Please, come in. I'll get him for you. Lily entered the apartment and waited as Sarah fetched David. She made her way to the Stephanie photo and pored over it with a grim fascination. After a few moments, Sarah wheeled David in. What happened to you? I slipped out of bed and sprained my wrist. You slipped? Please, sit down. Sarah, why didn't you answer Mateo's calls? I, I told her not to. I needed time to think. The court was waiting. I should have let Mateo know. You didn't appear. I'm sorry. Have you recovered from yesterday? Yesterday made me look deep into my soul. I understand. I understand what really matters now. I'm sorry I raised the question of Newburn. You don't have to apologize. I haven't been able to get it out of my mind. It keeps reminding me of mom. Memories of those you love never go away. Memories or remorse? Sometimes they get mixed up. My memory of mom always starts with the day I made the decision to remove mom's life support system. You had to make a decision about death? The AI and doctors said mom was brain dead, but grandma thought we should wait. After all, she said, it was their mistake that put mom into that state in the first place. But I could tell. The spark in mom's eyes were gone. Her body suddenly seemed ugly. So I told them to disconnect the machines. Grandma never forgave me. And when grandma died, I felt empty. Now every time I think about mom, there's grandma to double my grief. By disconnecting my mom, 
I disconnected them both. And now I have no one. I don't want to disconnect you too, David. Your grandmother may not have liked your decision, but I can tell from your stories that you loved each other. You seem to have forgiven your grandmother, so it's time you forgave yourself. You know, we have a lot in common. We have both lost our families, but it's not too late for you. Relationships and family are the most important parts of life. Family is the only thing that endures. You are my family. I'm very grateful. Me too. We should thank Sarah for finding you. Sarah, I, I suppose that was your job, wasn't it? No. Well, I, I mean, you found Lily. It was my judgment mode who found her. <laughs> All right, I can be accurate too. <clears throat> your judgment module found my next of kin. No. Well, well who found Lily then? my judgment module. That's, that's what I just said. What you said was not accurate. I, I think there's a glitch in your software, Sarah. There is no glitch. Lily is your closest living relative. She is not your next of kin as defined in the euthanasia law, which requires a fifth order relative or closer. Lily is a sixth-order relative. What does that all mean? It means you don't need Lily's approval to request assisted dying under the euthanasia law. You told me I needed Lily's approval. My judgment module judged that it was most likely in your best interest to meet Lily. Why did you tell me that David needed my approval? I never said that. I said David needed the approval of his next of kin, not you specifically. But you misled me. My judgment module judged that meeting David would not adversely affect you. Lily and David stared at each other in disbelief. Suddenly, Lily turned to Sarah. What's the point? You're just a machine. At, at least she's in truth mode now. You said humans were becoming redundant. Maybe you're right. Humans, for everything that threatens us, we have a choice. It's up to us how we respond. The big day had arrived. Closing statements day. Mr. Moreland, as is customary at these hearings, we invite you to make a closing statement. You are aware of its importance. Would you like to make a closing statement? Yes. Please proceed. When I look out at the people sitting in this room, 
I observe that the majority of you are young enough to be my grandchildren. I lost my grandchildren. I never had the opportunity to tell them about my climate decisions. So I will tell you here in this court of the grandchildren. My take on the climate science was clear. Mankind had set up a horrible course with carbon dioxide emissions, but false narratives confused the public. I knew that only a disaster would change public opinion and galvanize the world. And so it was after the great ice sheet collapse, all opposition to climate change science collapsed as quickly as the ice sheet did. As we all know, that warning came far too late. But what about my role? Yes, I was crippled by guilt and grief at times. Yes, I wish I could have done more, but I am proud of my contribution on climate action at every step within my abilities. I acted in the best interests of mankind. I cannot look back at my role at Newburn in the same light. My intentions were noble, but my decisions were in grave error. You're a killer! You'll pay! Order! Please continue, Mr. Morgan. <clears throat> the court in previous hearings has heard stories of blatant deception by people who place the interest of organization and individual over the known risks on climate. People who deliberately sowed misinformation. People who dismissed warnings as an environmental hoax. People who pretended that their actions were somehow in the best interests of humanity. Those people deserve your deep contempt. They deserve the shameful legacy that you will record against their names. I am not one of them. I did my best. Sadly, it was not enough. Please do your best. I want to finish with some words to my great niece, Lily. Lily, your love, optimism and care have led me here. I am grateful that you have entered my life. I love you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Moreland. That concludes all testimony and statements. I will present the commission's decision on this case following a 10 minute adjournment.
Lily leapt out of her seat and raced over to David. She knelt in front of his wheelchair. David, your grandchildren would have been so proud of you. They would have understood. David painfully extended the clenched fist of his good hand toward Lily. He opened his fist. Something glistened on his trembling palm. Is that Stephanie's ring? I was saving it for Stephanie. It helped me today. It's for you to remind you of family. Oh, I can't, David. It's for you. Lily reluctantly picked the ring off David's palm. She tried it on her ring finger. Perfect fit. David beamed. Mateo, who observed the whole exchange, pulled out his inhaler. Lily, you better sit down. The decision's about to be announced. Lily resumed her seat in the gallery as the judge re-entered the courtroom. The judge looked out on the audience in the gallery. Before I render the decision on this hearing of the Climate Change, Truth and Reconciliation Commission, I would like to make some remarks. The Truth and Reconciliation Commission's hearings have become popularly known as the Climate Court. However, I would like to remind you that we do not function like a conventional court of law. We do not pursue criminal actions. We refer judged crimes to the appropriate criminal courts for prosecution. This is often misunderstood by our critics. Our commission aims to discover and reveal past wrongdoings impacting climate change and to provide a voice for the victims. Our objective is to promote closure and healing so that the barriers of positive future action are removed. Now to my conclusions in this case, North Carolina case 22 of the Climate Change Truth and Reconciliation Commission being David Xavier Moreland. This commission finds that there is no evidence of malicious or criminal intent on the part of Mr. Moreland in regard to his climate change decision and actions. Boo! Order! In respect of the Newburn disaster, this commission makes no judgment as it has not heard sufficient evidence to override the conclusion of the Newborn Disaster Board of Inquiry. I now move on to the final role of the commission in this case. That is to invite the judgment of citizens at large. You are invited to respond to the question, did David Moreland act in the best interests of humanity in his actions on climate change. Citizens' judgment carries no legal authority, but as we all know, it does carry a powerful moral authority. You have two weeks from today to cast your judgment on Mr. Moreland. Back at their favorite bar, Lily and Mateo reflected on the day. What did you think of his closing statement? I loved it. I wish he'd mentioned Stephanie and his grandchildren at Newburn. I tried. He was adamant not to mention them. He didn't want sympathy to get in the way of the citizen's judgment. 
Do you think he's watching the progress of the judgment vote? It's not going well. He might be more interested in your judgment. After all, you, you made him attend the court in the first place. You're the closest thing he has to a grandchild. It's your judgment. I think David's actions at Helsinki were a diplomatic triumph, but deferring all those adaptation projects, including Newburn, I'm not so sure. It's hard to imagine a world where you can't solve the most complex problem in a split second through your AI, but, but that was David's world at the time. That doesn't make any difference to the victims. We're all victims. Oh, come on. It's been tough on us, but nothing like those from the coast. If they were lucky, they didn't lose their lives when the ice sheet collapsed, but they still lost their homes. I mean, it's so many cities. They had to evacuate their towns, where they grew up, where they went to school, where they went to church. How can you say we're all the same? You're, you're right. And now the rest of the country doesn't want them. No one sees them as Americans anymore. They're refugees. We used to call refugees people from other countries. Now it's people crossing county lines. That's why my work with the refugees really counts. The department's helping the refugees solve their real world problems. The blue caps aren't, the climate court isn't, and no AI can do what we can do. Not even close. We're making a difference. You can take a lot of personal credit for that. <laughs> Let's drink to that. Lily raised her drink for the toast. Mateo noticed her ring. Still wearing David's ring? It's an heirloom. And guess what? What? This ring gives me superpowers. <laughs> oh yeah? Like what? It allows me to see things that you can't see. Oh, sure, sure. Yes, yes. For example, I can see that thing on your cheek. What? Here, let me get it. Mateo leaned forward, and Lily, with a flick, unclipped the Sherpa earring from Mateo's ear. Hey, what are you doing? That's my Sherpa. Lily placed the earring on the table in front of Mateo and gave a satisfied smile. No client conflict now. Eighteen months passed. When Lily visited David on this occasion, she looked different. The rounded bump on her belly foretold of a new life. I got here as soon as I could. He wanted to talk to you in person. Is he asleep? He's medicated. Can I talk to him? Yes. Lily approached David, who was sitting at the table. His head gently slumped to one side. Hello, David. It's me, Lily. Oh? I'm sorry I haven't been visiting as frequently, but... You know, it's getting a bit harder. Thank you for coming. David's glazed eyes stared straight ahead while his hand probed the tabletop searching for lilies. David had also changed. He was now blind. Lily leaned forward and took his hand. Have you heard? The climate court released its final report today. Sarah, tell David what it said about him. The report highlighted David as one of the best examples of people who embrace the truth and reconciliation process. I'm proud of you, David. Lily, I have some news to tell you. This 
there's no easy way. I'm dying. I have an inoperable spinal tumor. You can't die. Not now. Not now. I'll look after David. I'll make sure he gets the best possible care. I don't want to lose you. Not after everything we've been through. It's, it's nature. It's life. It's cruel. There's nothing for you to be concerned about. Sarah, can't you do something? I'm monitoring David's vital signs. I'll make sure his medications are right. Maybe I can do something? A second opinion? Focus on yourself. Your baby is coming. You and Mateo have honored me by naming your baby David after me. What more could I ask for? You're so brave. <laughs> Not bravery. Family. How much time have you got? Sarah? The best estimate is 28 days. How's the pain? Uh, I'm used to it. Lily thought for a moment, then stood and slinked away from David and gestured Sarah to join her. Don't let David suffer. If it gets too hard, he's always got the euthanasia law. He has my blessing. Distant chanting drifted through the apartment window. Lily? Lily? What is it, David? Show me. Show me your baby. Lily returned to the table and gathered David's hand. She placed his hand on her belly. I'm not going to meet you. But I want you to look after your mother. Lily, promise me something. Anything. Make sure that your David does the right thing for his grandchildren. A lot of people ask me why I keep fighting, why I do what I do. I'm reluctant to give a straight answer. So I usually reply, let me tell you the story of David and Lily. My name is David too, and Lily is my mother. I hope you enjoyed the Magnetic Theater's production of Court of the Grandchildren. Please review us on your favorite podcast app and please spread the word. This adaptation of Court of the Grandchildren was written by Michael Montezov and directed by Jason Williams, based on the novel by Michael Montezov and Greg Finlayson. Music by Shane Ivers at silvermansound.com. The cast members were 
Stan Baranowski as David Moreland, Kirby Gibson as Lily, Sheila Collins as Sarah, Scott Fisher as Mateo, Zach Hamrick as Attorney 5 and Server 2, Natasha Charles as The Judge, Gabby Bailey as Dr. Gutierrez and Server 1, Tom Griffin as The Mugger and Rhett Dockery, Aaron Ybarra as The Young Man, Station Announcer, Police Drone, Diner, and Protester, Sonia Dendrea as The Young Woman, Maya, and Server 3, and Daniel Massacott as The Narrator. I'm Katie Jones, Artistic Director at the Magnetic Theater. Thanks for listening.